Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. I am curious. I was curious about this when we got started, but uh, finally getting around to ask, what do you notice, what observation coming in because uh, you aren't a professional, fe- is there? Is there? There's no professional female league, is there? Uh, um, there's kind of is goes in and out. Is, but yeah, it's like you, like you know, you did come from that. You came from nope. you know, uh, from a high level, but not you know as high as you could go. But well, I was good, but I wasn't that good. What did you? What do you notice other than physical ability? What have you no- noticed that stands out about professionals? Because you've done dealt with more than just. Uh, professional hockey players you dealt with professionals in lots of arenas what do you notice about and what can you share with people about the professional uh, 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 mentality approach great question attitude great question there is very much what I call the minor league mentality and then the pro mentality so you can have an athlete that is striving to get to the best but they're not willing to do whatever it takes to get there they still have a back door they're still looking for an out a plan b the difference in in taking that jump many times is not just physical because at that point very similar physicality has to always compete against each other the first thing I will say is that champions have a couple of things in common the first one is they're always curious. They're always curious. They're seeking more knowledge. They're 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 interested in 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 what's out there, what's new. They're interested in other people. Second thing is they're very organized. And I don't mean organized that you know their Christmas cards are all sent out or their sock drawer is organized. They're organized in the area that they want to be specialized in. Right. So they understand I need to be organized. I have to have my time schedule when it comes to my training, my fitness, my my therapies, my uh my um rehabilitation, my equipment. So they're very organized and very singular minded when it comes to taking care of those things. The other thing is that they have the ability to, I want to make sure I say this correctly, not to overcome adversity, but to embrace it. Yeah. It's like, bring it on. Okay. I need to learn from that. Failure is an option because that's where I get my next feedback from. So the curiosity, the organization, and the ability to harness and embrace adversity and the what is, you know, I always say to my clients is like, your business is my business. So if you're not being truthful to yourself and to what is for you today, not last week, I don't care that you won world championship yesterday. It's over. We need to be stepping forward into your what's next. So how can we set that plan in place? Very, very interesting. I remember Many uh, decades ago, when I uh, moved from Atlanta up to North Carolina to open up a uh, to pioneer uh, expansion office in financial services, and I was recruiting and training and looking for the best people I could get. And out of the blue came the top football, high school football coach in the state. And he won multiple championships in there. What was happening, he had a weird thing happening with his arm, and he was afraid he was going to have a physical. Uh, restriction to deal with and so he was investigating other options you know for careers and so fortunately that got resolved and he went back to coaching but uh coach kirby at page high school and i remember 
I remember this phrase. I never forgot it. He said, you come into my office and you'll see a disaster. He said, it just everything's all, you know. But he said, you go out of my practice field. He said, my practice field's where I make my money. And he said, you come out to my practice, everything's down to the second. Everybody knows where they'd be. Every coach, every unit, this, that, and the other. We take advantage of every minute. He said, I'm totally organized on my practice because that's where I make my money. And uh, that's how. So true. You know, I've never, never forgotten that. Now, when you went to, uh, as you're coming out and transitioning and looking for places to go, how did you even get considered? I mean, you know, did you always have your sights on, uh, how could you have your sights on being uh, a mental coach for professional hockey team when there weren't any, you know, and there's especially no females. So how did you wind up in that situation and what kind of, things were you curious about, interested in that caused you to wind up there? Well, I think at the time, my thought was there has to be somebody that's looking after their mental and emotional wellness. There has to be. There's physical. They've got all these trainers. They've got all these ther- therapies. Everything is being looked after, yet they're always saying, well, the game is 90% mental, but nobody was training it. So I'm thinking that that was a bit of a conflict to me. So why wouldn't I just enter that conversation, be curious and to say, well, where are the mental trainers? Where are the performance coaches? And, you know, there were sports psychologists at the time, psychologists at the time. There were people who were interested, but they didn't have that depth of relatedness and experience. And like I said, in the dressing rooms, like I got my butt handed to me half the time because again, I was always being challenged, always being forced to elevate my own self, my own skills, my own knowledge. So I started researching, you know, I started researching how to be a, um, a life coach. I mean, I even yeah. started opening that door. It's like, okay, what's a life coach? You know, these guys, well, they don't need life coaches. Um, what do they need? So I started to bake in all of the things that I'd learned in school and university through my uh, background in psychology and mechanics and biomechanics and physiology and nutrition, et cetera, thinking, okay, that's the physical side. But what pulled me was not just the mental, but the emotional resilience that I saw in the champions. So when I started training the emotional side of myself first, because I can't coach what I'm not. Right. So if I'm a mess, or if I don't have my house in order, I have no right to, to offer a space for anybody to deal with their emotional and, and mental um, capacities. So my work is ongoing. I've never not had a coach. So in moving that forward, I had to kind of p- cut and paste. You know, there's no such thing as a performance coach for Olympians. Uh, okay, well, what if part of that is a life coach? What if part of that is a uh, an emotional resilience consultant? What if a part of that is teaching them how to present themselves to the media? So I had to scurry along and learn all of those things that I was seeing that the athletes really had gaps in. So I became almost like a a gap coach. And I remember going to London the first time and going down the stairs to the tube in one of the tube stations. And there's a big sign that says, mind the gap. And I'm like, that's me. I'm helping them mind the gap. And if they don't know there's a gap, then they're going to fall in. So I became like a gap finder. And then one thing led to another. And again, like you say, the results started showing up. Next thing you know, we're winning championships. We're winning MVPs. But Uh, how'd you get the interview? uh, How'd you get the interview with them? With Glenn Sather? Yeah. Um, Well, it was through an adversity. I had blew my leg apart ski racing and was in a cast from my ankle to my hip. And in... uh, Talk about that. Talk about that. Oh, man. 
rehabilitation after a ski injury, I thought my life was over because I Why was- did you let yourself have that kind of injury? The thrill of those injuries that usually are sudden, violent, unpredictable. Absolutely. You know? And you so know I what I learned from that's that? That's why I don't ride bicycles right now, because <laughs> that's how that's how your bicycle ride is going to end eventually. Sudden, violently, it's not going to be so pretty. So true. So true. I re- actually remember the thought I was having when I was going down the Black Diamond, and it was the last run of the day. The sun's yeah. going down. Yeah. And I was a, a, a champion ski racer in high school, so it's not like I didn't know what I was doing. But I had the thought, uh-oh, this is not uh, going to go well. Uh-oh. Uh oh, <laughs> and it did not go well, and so it was like that. Like I think some people have a you know a two year yeah. turnaround when they have a negative thought. I have like yeah. a thirty second turnaround, so I don't have the luxury. <laughs> so that was part of the lesson. So I was in the University of Alberta um, Rehabilitation Center doing the therapy on my right. knee when I saw the poster. The Oilers were looking for a what were they looking for? Oh, they were looking for a strength and conditioning coach, which I did have that uh-huh. in my in my back yeah. pocket. But I thought I'm going to use that as leverage. So I just had my crutches and I crutched my way up four four flights of stairs because, of course, the elevator's broken. You know. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, walked in. The, it was locked. The grad lounge was locked. See, this is the beginning of your new yes. career. Yes, you know, this is jo- it. not just a job. <laughs> and you go show the building on yep. crutches. It's on the fourth floor. Yep. You know, it's oh, just yeah. like I was sweating. Yeah, like God will put by challenges some- in front of us, you know, and just to say, you really want that interview bad enough? You got to climb four floors. On, on crutches. Wow. For those of you who are sick and tired of fooling around and are dead serious about wanting to move up fast, I've got something especially for you. I've combined the best insights from over 40 years in business and making $70 million in income and compress them into a free webinar. That's right. It's a free resource. If you want to find out exactly what the concepts are that I use in coaching million dollar earners, register now at whitelonwinning.com. You'll discover the five-part framework used by so many to reach their financial, personal, and professional goals. You can find that link in this episode's show notes. Yeah, so I went into the grad lounge. I snuck in, actually. One of the door opened, I snuck yeah. in, and I saw the ad on the on the wall. And because I was on crutches, I didn't have a bag. I just pulled the whole ad off the corkboard, yeah. stuffed it in my jacket, and crutched my way down the stairs. And then I realized what I was applying for was a strength and conditioning coach. And I said, well, I can do that. But what I'm really good at is skating and talking. Yeah. So I used that, built a CV uh, because I wasn't working at the time. I was right. on crutches and in therapy and built the CV and I sent it in. And oddly enough, they had just hired a new director of player personnel, Kevin Prendergast, one of the amazing, amazing man in the world of hockey. And he looked at my CV and I'd had pictures in there and I'd been teaching skating and I'd been doing all this stuff. I made it like a, I don't know, like a magazine. And I got a call and they invited me in. Well, just after I got my cast off, I go to the office, I walk myself in, I sit in his office and I look to the left and his, he had a pile of resumes up to like the top of his desk. And mine was on the top. I could see it because I put it in blue and orange, which were the Oilers colors. <laughs> so tacky. Good for you. Anyway, <laughs> so it was on the top. And he asked me all the hard questions. Why do you want to do this? Who do you think you are? How do you think you can make a difference? How long do you think you're going to stay? 
And I was kind of freaked out. I left. I thought that went didn't go well. Two weeks later, I get a call to meet with Glenn Sather. And I walked into his office, scared to death. It was like that never-ending hallway that you just keep taking the step, yeah. but the door gets further and further away, right. like in a nightmare. That's what it was like. And I remember sitting down at his desk and he looked at me and he said, what are you here for? And I said, well, the job. He goes, there's no job here. I'm like, what? What? I Just wait a sec. And he looked at me, he goes, you're hired, but there's no job here. The job will be if the players decide you have a job here, not me. Ah. Uh-huh. And I lasted nine years. Ah, sharp guy. And then also, so good. You're sharp. You're sharp. So okay. good. And uh, so you went from uh, sitting down a sweaty mess from climbing the stairs. And wow, congratulations. Have you learned anything? I want to, I'm curious, in all this time, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Hmm. Have you learned anything that where in that split second, where you're on the top of the hill and it says, this isn't going to go well. Have you learned anything about what you could instantly tell yourself that could have pulled you out of that? Have you thought about that? I have. And because it's happened a couple of times, well, more than a couple of times since because of the, the level of work that I'm at, the high level of competition, Olympic games, world championships, Stanley cup finals, if in doubt, don't. And that's, it's one thing. And that's one thing. To say it's another thing to train yourself to take it serious and do it because what happens is in those crisis moments you've got momentum you know you're like near the finish like you say end of the day right in a blah 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 and then to say well if I have a doubt is, is that really a doubt or whatever but you have to train you've got to work that through through that in your mind like that's a danger like er, 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 you know like. You know, the bombs are coming in, get underground, you know, type thing uh, before it happens, don't you think? Yeah, but I also understand the power of mind. And I also, my connection to my source, my God, is very, very loud. Yeah. So I don't get a lot of negative messages unless there's something there that I'm supposed to pay attention to. That's a good point. If it's a negative message, pay attention, you know, pay attention because I don't get many negative messages, but like, you know, basically what happens is when it comes in your mind, you don't just let it sit there. It's like, you're like, oh, this is a negative message. What do I do with negative messages? Pay attention. And uh, it's got to be a split second. But you can do that. And uh, that's an important thing, this minding the gap. I'll tell you a story. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but there was a golfer. And it's very, he was talking about something that's so common to golfers. He said, on the practice range, I'm unbelievable he said i can hit every shot he said consistent i'm you know faded left right draw and uh he said then i go to the course and you know i hit it straight into the trees he said you know it's just like i lose it all just by going out and getting you know on the first tee you know who said that arnold palmer no way (laughs) and so the thing is it's not just you know, all the rest of us who have those kind of feelings, like I practice it, it was perfect, and this, that, and the other. But, and, and that's why you see, uh, also, you'll see big championship. You got a two foot putt to win the major. And if you win this major, you're exempt for the next 10 years. You win millions and millions of dollars. This is your whole life changes. You know, you can do things for your family and friends and this other. No pressure. 
you got a two foot putt and then, you know, they, <laughs> you know, they pull it. And so the thing is, uh, in fact, I've talked to guys that are in that position and they said, you know, what happens is you get up there and your body will not move. If you're just like totally like, you're not, you're doing everything and your body, it's just like you're concrete, you know, and then you just got to do something, you know, and, uh, uh, that gap between how do you, how do you coach people to when they get in the crisis time to stay cool? And basically what it comes in, it, I'll tell you what my, my uneducated, uh, uh, unacademically, uh, educated, uh, thought on it is because I thought about it a lot is that you I think at that moment people that are really good play instinctively you know they're not thinking they're you know they've got a groove they tr trust it you know they got a flow you know the books on flow and they just they just do what they know to do let the body do what the body knows to do they have a routine set up line up do it. They're concentrating on the routine. They're concentrating on what they've got to do, except when it's a two foot putt for whatever. And then they go from the that side of the brain over to the logical side of the brain, and they go, "Now make sure you hit it straight. Make sure you don't do this. It's a negative thing. Don't do this. Don't do that." And then also, you know, and then they try and steer it in. They try and do it mechanically rather than naturally, and it doesn't work because they're using a different side of the brain. You know. And so how do you deal with that or how, how do you interpret that uh, at training people to avoid that breakdown? Because if you're going to be a championship, you got to deliver in the clutch. Well, that's that, you know, the inner coach and that inner critic and that inner, you know, but what happens is the minute you get back in your head, start talking to yourself, it, it takes you out of the moment. It takes you out of what they call the zone. So what I do is I really work a lot on self-talk. Yeah. Um, silence. A lot of the um, the exercises I do is is to teach them how to quiet their mind. Uh, and the biggest one, and I'll give you one of my my <laughs> secrets with my Olympians, is that I manufacture adversity ongoing. So if there's nothing going wrong, I'm not saying you know a lot of damage or, or right. adversity, um, right. but I man manufacture levels of adversity. So they're always having to somehow adjust and read and yeah. adapt and react to things that are happening. So if they're skating around the ice and at one point I had an athlete that we were in Paris and a, 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 a pigeon or something flew out of the rafters and started yeah. circling his head while the music was on, he was competing in a championship, but he just kept going. Not that I was ever able to duplicate a pigeon flying out right. of the rafters yeah. again, yeah. but what we had done and different levels of manufacturing different things that they had to overcome um, really prepared him for that moment. Um, at the Olympics in 2018, my, my athlete, my, my client, Gabriela Papadakis, um, from France ended up having a horrible costume malfunction whereby her dress broke and the, uh, entire world saw, well, we call it nipple gate, but ultimately it was horrible. Her, her partner, Guillaume was able to pull the dress up over, but not before, you know, certain television stations thought it was amazing to show this poor young woman's private parts are all the way around the world. And the next day they had to compete for the gold medal. Uh, so it's in those moments. I could have never created that level of adversity for her because right. she then in 24 hours had to get herself grounded, get over the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment, all that, the blame. It was my fault. It was partner's fault. It was her fault. It was Stephanie's fault. So that blame game 
I taught them how to play the blame game so they could get to neutral around what happened. It didn't matter if there was a costume malfunction or if a pigeon flew out of that, or if the gate wouldn't open. It didn't matter what the adversity was. They had the tools and the ability to overcome it. And they ended up winning the free dance the next day and then just barely um, lost the gold to the Canadians in the 2018 um, Pyeongchang Olympics. But that moment in time, in a sense, had been trained for. And I do that four and six years out with when I have the opportunity to be on someone's champion's journey with them. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whiteallonwinning.com. Thanks for listening.